0: Let's get into the Word and get you going, um, And uh, but let me give you something I hope today that will, that will take you through the week and maybe help you to solidify the foundation for your lives. How about that? Do you think we can do that? Simple message this morning, and I, t- I told you last week, I, was, I started with a word from James, and I want to do at least one more here, and the title, it's a very simple title, and it's almost, it's, it, these words are so well known to us that they, they're, they almost, they're almost cliche, but we'll use this as our title this morning, and it is just, Count it All Joy. And our text this morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or if you have the Bible app, uh, James 1, 1 through 5, primarily, uh, James 1, 1 through 8, basically, we'll look at the first eight verses or so. And you know, over the years, I've talked a lot about dealing with life's pressures. I've talked a lot about um, trials and tribulations and struggle and and storms and, and, uh, you know, tough times and good times and how to get through, how to hang in there, how to... Process, how to deal with with, uh, uh, with faith and trusting God through all the ups and downs of life. Uh, and I realize that in my life as well as in your life and in the lives of everybody that I would speak to that um, th- there's always a great need for encouragement. Would you agree with that? Uh, and there's always a need for a, a message that would strengthen and, and solidify and build our faith. Um, in fact, some, some old school... Uh, uh, Thinker wrote a book entitled this, In Every Pew There Sits a Broken Heart. And, and in every, on every row, in every group of people, somewhere, somewhere near the day, there's probably a broken heart. And I could bring you a nice blues song about broken hearts or uh, how to mend a broken heart or whatever, or, or, I can, or, or we, can, we can really seek to apply the Word of God in a way that really does bring healing to our lives. And I try to keep that in mind when I'm preaching and teaching that people. People come with the varying degrees of brokenness, pain. We we have struggles. These are challenging times to live in. Uh, many of you found out. You see, you, you know, we read the glowing economic reports and we see the the the, the records record stock market numbers. But many of us, the problem is, I don't own any stock, and uh, and I'm out here. Some of our younger adults are out here with three jobs, trying to put things together and pay their student loans and and uh, and 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 move forward. Some of us are trying to raise children in a day and age when media and social media and, and all of the devices rob them, I mean, divert all of their, you know, this is attention. These are difficult times. We, we deal with illness. We deal with, with emotional issues. And so, but the thing about it is, sometimes I, I worry. I say, maybe I shouldn't uh, dwell on those issues as much. Maybe I shouldn't. I should try to be more doctrinal or as one of my profs said, doctrinal. That sounds a little more erudite. Uh, uh, you know, I should You know, and and looking at, for instance, the book of James, you know, you think about, I want to, we might want to look at ethical and moral concerns and uh, Christian lifestyle and character and behavior stuff. And we do, right? Um, But in thinking about James, I I had forgotten how this book begins. Because this book begins on a certain note. And before James goes anywhere in talking about faith versus works, or faith and works, or talking about uh, speech, as we spoke of, and the tongue and all of those things... Uh, Before any of that, James gives us this word. He deals, the the first thing out of his mouth is this. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you fall into all these various trials and tribulations because these have come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. That's the first thing he really says to us and to his readers, right? And so the starting point is always faith. The starting point will always be the life of victory. The the, the starting point is always the victory of faith. And so I'm going to read today's passage, which is essentially the first paragraph of James. And then I want to to give you today five simple strategies that will uh, help us to deal with the difficulties, the inevitable difficulties that come our way. Listen to these words if you have them, follow along with me. But this is what James writes beginning at the... Uh, James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Here he goes. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, they Starbucks stopped giving you straws. So now, you ever you know, sometimes in life, life kind of takes you back and you revert to younger age? This is like a sippy cup. <laughs> Max has a few of these, a couple at my house. But James is giving us, in the passage we just read, five strategies, if you will, for dealing with the, the, the strain, the pressures, the, the problems of life. And let me give you the first one, and it's really simple. And, and we find it in verse 2. And it's just, we get this from the words that he uses in describing his readership. And, this, and the first strategy is this, turn yourself over to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. Because he says this in verse 2. He says, my brothers and sisters. Now. Uh, these are. This is an important, this, and this term comes from one word, the Greek word adelphoi. It's a t- term that James uses over and over, like about 19 times in his letter. More than Paul uses this term, the Greek word adelphoi, which means brothers, uh, and, and then can be extended in, to be inclusive, brothers and sisters, folks, y'all my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. It refers to fellow believers. It refers to those who have come into a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the the first little bit of advice we can glean from what James is saying is that what I'm about about to tell you, what I'm fixing to to, to tell you is is, is applicable, applicable to those who have... Develop a personal relationship with Christ. And so, if you want to begin to deal and make sense of the problems in your life, the first step is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can't give your problems to Christ until you've given yourself to Christ. Got that? One down, four to go. All right? Number two, when you are facing trials, and this is number two, number two is this reason yourself into a different mindset. Reason yourself into a different mindset. Look at what he says in verse 2. He says, consider. And that word, consider, is is, is much more there than you might, 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 might surmise. He says, consider it pure joy. Okay? Consider it. See, sometimes when you're going through stuff, you don't feel it. Sometimes when you're going through stuff, you don't see it. But James says, consider it pure joy. So if you're a Christian, you have the the, the prerogative and the privilege of doing this, of reasoning your way into a different mindset about the problems of your life, about the burdens of life. Verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And so we get it from the older translations that say, Count it all joy. Can you say that? Count it all joy. And so the word here for count uh, or, or it would be, we could say it means counter, to consider. And it means this, it means to think something through. To consider something with your mind. To look at something from a different perspective. Or to look at something with a different mindset. The Greek word hegeomai, which means this, to make a decision about something after weighing all the facts and circumstances. Oh, yeah. And this is why the NIV uses the word consider instead of the old word count because it helps it brings it a little bit more into, into our understanding to consider it. And it, it, it doesn't mean that as Christians, and I know this is true because I know it is, it's this way for me, it doesn't mean that as a that we just jump with joy in the face of tragedy. Sometimes people read this stuff and they say it to you, count it all joy, brother. And you know what I mean? So, you know, wow, they just, they just um, the repo man just took my car. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wife just walked out. Hallelujah. <laughs> Kid just got, in, got put into it. Oh, praise the Lord! Ah, I got the joy down in my heart. It doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not that simplistic. And sometimes that makes us look kind of dumb as Christians right. if we think. He's saying, use your mind and look at the evidence. Weigh all of the facts and circumstances. Consider it. It doesn't mean that we jump with joy for tragedy. It means that when we have a series of difficulties in our lives, it means that when we have a series of reversals, or you know what those are? Yeah, actually, Things were, you, th- you, you, were on, you were on easy street. I had, I had a drunk uncle when I was a kid. His name was J.W. He lived on Easy Street in Long Beach. So I, I, I don't know, but that didn't turn out so well for him. But you know, you, you're going on Easy Street and then all of a sudden you're on difficult road or something. You know, you get a phone call or you get a letter or you get you get bad news from the doctor. Reversals. When we have a series of difficulties, our first and reactions and emotions, it'll, it'll be difficult for us. It will be challenging to us. It's... It, it, you're not less than spiritual when when confronted with difficulty, you find it difficult and challenging, and you may find yourself bristling and, and, and under the load and the stress of that thing. Sometimes we think as Christians, well, I'm waiting, to, I'm waiting to get to the place where it's just no matter what, I'm just like, hallelujah, anyhow. You, get, you go to work and you say, you know what, we don't need you no more. In, in, in Britain, they say, uh, they call it redundancy. Redundancy. Uh, we don't need you anymore. Here's your letter. Good luck. We'll give you a reference, right? That's a reversal. As a Christian, I mean, well, you know, praise the Lord. Give me that letter. I'm just happy anyhow. No, you know, if you got any sense, you're going to be. If you got a family to support, you're going to be concerned in that moment when you get a bad report from the doctor. I, I just got. You know, the joy may not come right at the moment, but there's a process to get to that joy. And so we, the difference is that. Despite our first response, our first reaction, our first um, you know, reaction to what's going on, we have this. We have, number one, divine resources. We have the potential of divine help. We have divine promise. And one other thing we have is divine presence. Do you get that? We, no matter what we're facing, no, number one, realize we have divine resources, divine help, divine promises, and finally, divine presence. And so therefore we can think it through and work it out in our minds with the help of the Word of God, in in, in the presence of the Word of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And in doing some, then what happens is we come to a different conclusion than someone without faith would. You get this? Don't assume that your first response is going to be your only response, but take the initiative and do something. Sometimes you might need to, you know, when you're faced with a trial, a tribulation, a difficult challenge in your life, stop and drop to your knees and start talking to the Lord about it. Start flipping through the pages of your Bible and look at those promises we talked about recently. Sometimes take a walk or a drive and talk to God and think your way and struggle through and consider your trial in light of God's promises, in light of His Word. You know what they used to say when I was coming? They said, let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Yeah. He'll hear our faintest cry. He'll answer by and by, you know, and they go on and on. And people understand, I've got to process this through. I've got to consider it pure joy. It, it doesn't look like pure joy. In the moment, it doesn't feel like pure joy. But I've got, to, I've got to process. I've got to think through the situation and consider what we sung about this morning, how great is our God. We have to consider the power of God, the promises of God, and we have to consider God's work in our lives. I almost have to look back and remember the other ones that he brought us through and the times and the way in which he has taught us how to deal with difficulty. I love Psalm 73 because the writer there goes through this kind of process. You read it when you have a chance. But basically, we could say that in in that psalm, and I think that's the one that's, I think it's a psalm of ASAP, and and in Psalm 73, the writer is basically bummed. And you all know what it means to be bummed? When the phone rings, I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) The, the right, he's bummed, he's, he's down, he's, he's down in the mouth, you know what that means? Uh, he's downcast in his mind, he's downcast in his heart, and he, he's disturbed. Why is he disturbed? Because the, the wicked folk get over and the, and the, and the righteous folk get snubbed. The, the sinners get rewarded and the holy folks, the spiritual folks, the ones that are trying to please God, they get, they get put aside. And he's seeing that all around him in the world, just as we do. And he goes on in Psalm 17, verse after verse, basically complaining about all of the pain and all the perplexity and all the challenges. And then finally, like in verse 17, he gets that breakthrough that y'all be talking about, right? He says, he said, after all that stuff about my foot almost slipped when I considered, the, the, when I considered the, the wicked. I almost lost my mind. Some of you are losing your mind right now. It's all right. He said, listen, but then he says, I went into the sanctuary. I entered into the presence of God and it altered, it changed my thinking. That's why you need to spend time worshiping and praising God. That's why you need to spend time in fellowship with the saints. That's why you need to spend time and you need to come to Bible study and you need to pray. That's why you need to imbibe the, thing, the word of God and the presence of God. You need that because he says, I went into the sanctuary. I entered, I, I, I entered into a space that changed my thinking. I began to see things from God's perspective. And then all of a sudden, I understood. And so he could, in that, in that, in that setting, the psalmist could count it. All joy, because he reckoned and he, he, he considered and he reflected on the goodness of God. He got into the presence of God. And sometimes, and you know the biggest mistake people make, man, biggest mistake people make. When they are going through trials and tribulations and difficulty, they, they say, well, you know what? I'm just going to stay here at home by myself. I, I love the Lord, but, you know, I just, I don't feel like going to church. I'm just going to worship here at Bedside Baptist. You See, a bedside Baptist, you don't have to get up. At bedside Baptist, you don't have to take off your pajamas and put on your real clothes. That's at right. Bedside Baptist, you can be in your house shoes. You know that like the term? OK, slippers. at, at bedside Baptist, you don't have to wash your face, face and then you can turn back over and snore some more. At bedside Baptist, you don't have to read the Bible. You know You can turn on the TV and you can look at the preacher or you can go to the infomercials. Bedside, bed. you stay. People pull away from fellowship, and they pull away from, from worship, and they pull away from the things of God when they need it most. It is the most counterintuitive and and wrongheaded response to difficulty. Right, right. But but the psalmist said, "I then I understood." Now let me, I, I, let me give you a little lesson here. Well, I'll give you. There's a story that I read about a guy, and he checked into a motel room. He was traveling, and and in this room, he the room was freezing, and he kept trying to adjust the thermostat. He couldn't get the rooms like 60 degrees or something. He, he, and it was there a day or two. And he, he was just free to free. And he never could. The whole time he was there. He, and he didn't want to call the, the management because he didn't feel like anybody might bothering because then you have to wait for them to come in and they, they walk in your room. And, they, you know? and so finally, at the, he, he suffered through it. At the end, when he was getting ready to leave, he, he noticed something. He, he, there was another. He saw this other thermostat over on the wall. And it was set at like 62 degrees. Um, and and out of curiosity, he went over to that one and adjusted it. And immediately, the air conditioner responded. What had happened was, what had happened in this room. Now, let me tell you, follow me. Look, look right here. If you come into this, this room and you think this thermostat does anything. I mean, it doesn't do anything. It just does nothing. That's, this thermostat used to control a floor heater that doesn't even exist. And for some reason, we didn't, nobody took it off the wall. If you come in here trying to adjust that, guess what? Now, think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. Our emotions are like that bum thermostat. Our feelings, our emotions blow hot and cold and basically are unresponsive to our attempts to control our emotions. That's why you don't live by your feelings, right? Right. Uh, So sometimes when I'm anxious or angry, I'm trying to adjust my mood. Sometimes when I'm upset, I'm trying to adjust my mood, but my mood and my emotions don't cooperate. But there's another thermostat. Like in this room, they're the real ones up here. Both of those, those, are real, those really work, even though it's too hot in here today. There's another thermostat. That, 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 and that thermostat is my, the mind that God gave me to be able to count it all joy and to be able to reckon and to be able to adjust my emotions. Your mind, God gave you your mind to adjust and to regulate your feelings. If you live by your feelings, you're going to live miserably. But if you allow the word of God to renew your mind and your mind to be the thermostat that controls your emotions. You get it? That's why the Bible puts so much emphasis on our minds. So, the first thing James says is to consider to count, to reckon, to think it through in light of God's word. Begin to see your problems, your trials, your struggles from God's perspective. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and problems. Number two, number three, rather, view your trials in terms of God's process in your life. View your trials in terms of God's process. He says in, verses three, he, in verse 3, he says, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then he goes on from, from there to, to give us a picture of a kind of chain reaction that takes place. And we say, how do I view my trials in terms of God's process? What do I think about? And that leads us into, and so, uh, you know, he says, listen, to what he, says. he says, consider it pure, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And here's the process. Let perseverance... The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see the process there? There's a kind of chain reaction there. you got your trials. Your trials are not pleasant to you in the moment, but you count it all joy because you know what God is doing through your trials. And that is that uh, you face these trials. The, the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And perseverance, when it finishes its work, when you pass that test, it it will allow you to become mature and complete, not lacking anything. You want to be a complete person in God, that's how you you do it. Now, I I read somewhere that in 1954, President Eisenhower, uh, responding to a reporter's question about Indochina, you know where that is, basically where Vietnam is. This is what was said. You have what you would call the falling domino principle. And you have a row of dominoes set up. You knock over the first one and what will happen to the last one is certainly that it will go over very quickly. So you could have a beginning of a disintegration that would have the most profound influences. And so basically that, was, that became known as the domino theory and unfortunately led us to a, a very unfortunate and wasteful war called the Vietnam War. And so historians debate the merits of the domino theory. But there's a, a kind of domino theory in the Bible that we see in this, okay? It's kind of a way that things are stacked up and they just tend to fall in a certain Order. But this actually is no theory. This is the truth. The trial becomes a test that produce, produces perseverance that leads to maturity. Did you hear that? The trial becomes a test that produces perseverance that leads to maturity. I'm going to say it one more time. The trial becomes a test that leads to perseverance that leads to maturity. So you start with the trial and the nominal is fallen. Ultimately, in the back end, you get maturity. So, first, we have the trial, the testing of our faith, and then those things happen to us all. Remember in the Gospels, how Jesus would, he'd spend all day teaching the disciples. Saying, you know, can we be real about, they were a little bit thick-headed sometimes, huh? Or as, you know, my dad would said hard-headed. He'd, he'd spend all day teaching them something, and then he would have them, you know, something like, he didn't, hey, let's get into a boat and go over a storm, and then what would they do? Just totally freak out, sheer panic, gone. Like, what have I been talking to you guys all day about? What What is going on with you guys? And then Jesus quieted the storm, remember? And he, he asked the disciples, How come, you know, y'all, have y'all learned anything from my teaching? And what was the storm in that moment? The storm was a way of testing their faith. And, and often they, they tended to fail the test maybe the first time. You ever had times in your life when you faced a crisis or what you may have perceived to be a crisis and knew that the Lord was using that? Not to hurt you or destroy you, but to test your faith. To see if you would really trust him or not. You ever had that? I have. Let me be real with you. As a pastor, as a man of God, I can tell you that every time I've sailed through every test, and that's why I stand here before you today. I stand here before you today because of amazing grace, how sweet sound, the sound, saved same wretch like me. But listen, I, 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 I've, I, I've had those tests in my life, and, and there are many times when I've failed that test. The trial that James is talking about is a test. Let me ask you this this morning. What trial are you facing right now? What problem are you facing in your life? I would encourage you to not think of it as a problem or even as a trial, but think of it as a test. God is looking to see if you'll trust him. And what comes out of your successfully passing that test is this thing perseverance he says this you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance what is perseverance it's the ability to keep on going and to keep on going with joy even when you face setbacks and disappointments perseverance is the ability to simply keep on keeping on how many of you know about how many of you learn something about perseverance in your life some of you have been doing something, the right thing. You, found, you got in the groove for God. You've been doing something. I right, can look around me. I see a bunch of you that have, been, that have been faithfully following Jesus and coming to church. Some of y'all for years and years. And you just, you're just like that Energizer bunny. You, or you're like a Timex watch. You older folks, right? Take a licking and keeps on ticking. All the watches are made in China now, but the real these have real watches with, like, movements in them and stuff, right? You know, perseverance is the ability to keep on keeping on. And, and after you've done that, in the words of the Scripture, to stand, and after having stood, stand, therefore, in Ephesians 6. You keep on standing. You keep on doing. And you know what? Perseverance is that one quality that God desperately desires to build into our lives because he values it almost above everything else. I think I value that in other people around me, don't you? Aren't you glad that I show up most Sundays? <laughs> aren't I glad that you show up most Sundays? Aren't you glad that, that Barbara faithfully does the bulletins every week and, and, the co- and coordinates uh, five or six other things? Aren't you glad that, that, uh, that, that the ushers show up and they share? And Rosalyn uh, works right there. And the other team, aren't you glad that the hospitality team... Fairs, nice meals for y'all, and people have been doing a lot of the same stuff for a long time. The worship team, some of these guys have been singing up there for like years and years and years and years. And you know, I'm not like I don't get these midnight phone calls all the time. You know, I, I'm gonna be there, uh, you know, it's all everybody here all the time. But basically, people, it seems like people made a commitment to serve God and they kind of do it, and it makes things work and it makes things keep going. And to God be the glory, right? Perseverance, it's a quality that God values so much in us. I'm going to tell you, there's another passage in the Bible, and this is Paul in Romans, the fifth chapter, that teaches exactly the same thing. And this is what Paul writes in, in, in Romans 5. He says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And he goes on, he says this, He said, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know That suffering produces what? Perseverance. It's the same thing. Reframe your trials. Reframe your struggles. Look at your life differently. Notice the same sequence. Suffering, joy, perseverance. He goes on, he says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And he concludes with "says and hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Now, from my perspective, from your perspective, stress and strain and problems, pain are things that are annoying, right, that break our stride and mess up our lives. But from God's perspective, these are the things that build our faith, that build our perseverance, and that bring us to maturity. James says, perseverance, he goes on, he says, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So trials become tests that develop perseverance and maturity. So that's God's pattern for every one of God's children, including you and me. So here are James' steps. He says, give your heart to Jesus. Number two, Think through your problems in light of his grace and then recognize the process of God and recognize that every problem creates a chain reaction that is designed to deepen and to mature you. But there's a, last, there's a fourth one here, and that is this. Ask God for wisdom. And we put this in context. Verse 5, he says, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And that's in the context of what we've just been speaking about. It's not, he he's not jumping off to a general, the wisdom that he's talking about. I've, I've learned that when I, listen, I've learned this. And when I take time to pray through a matter and ask God for wisdom and then think it through in his presence, I can make pretty good decisions. I almost never make a bad decision if I will take the time to do that. But if I skip one of those steps, I find myself I'm regretting the choices I've made. And we, we need to ask God for wisdom. But the context here is very important and the context is specific. We need to ask, listen to this, we need to ask God for the wisdom to see our trials, our struggles, our tribulations, our problems, and our pressures from his perspective. Lord, would you enable me by your grace, by your wisdom, to see this situation as you do. Help me to understand this trial as you see it. Give me to respond. Give me the wisdom to respond as I should. That's the way. So when James says, if anyone lacks was specifically about helping us to deal with our difficulties, some of us respond unwisely in, in times of trial and tribulation and struggle only. We? So we need to ask God for that wisdom. And then finally, number five. We, 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 this is the, other, the fifth strategy, strategy. We trust him to grant that request and to meet our need. He goes on, he says in verse six, seven he says six, he says, let him ask in faith. I- expect and fully trust God to answer your prayer, to give you the necessary wisdom you need to face that difficulty. Listen to what he says in verse six and seven he says, But when you ask you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not ex- expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. Now, faith is always important, but this is talking about faith in specific terms, in a specific situation. This is what James is saying to his readers and to us by extension. When you're facing a trial, when you're facing difficulty, when you're facing trouble, count it all joy because you know that God is testing your faith and setting up this kind of process, this chain reaction, if you will, that will enable you to grow more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, and become more and more like Jesus so the bottom line is, when you're faced, and we're almost done, with trials and difficulties, ask God to show you how to respond to your situation. And don't doubt that He will do what you ask Him to do and give you the wisdom you seek. He will, without a doubt, I am sure of it because He promises it, give you the wisdom to find His will in the midst of every struggle in your life. Give you the will, the wisdom to respond to His promises in every crisis situation and give you the wisdom to react to that problem in a way that pleases Him. Amen? And every time you engage the process. What'll happen is you'll grow just a little bit, a little bit, little, little bit more, a little bit more mature in the faith, and you'll begin to look just a little bit more like Jesus every time, because that's His plan for your life. Become a little bit, a little bit more mature each time. Uh, I'm loving watching these my my grandsons grow up. Man. Little, 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 I mean, it just seems like the other day I was holding little Orion. little, and now you know he's like smiling and cooing and and, and, uh, and all that stuff. And little by little, he's maturing. And then I look at the other one, Maximus. You know, he's he'll be four years old in October. You know, and I look it up. I see the growth. But it didn't, you know, and, and he's, you know, uh, he's a pretty precocious kid. Uh, but, uh, but it didn't, you know, it's like he, he, when he was born, he, like he's, he, he's reading now. You know, I'm no longer four years old. But he wasn't born reading. Uh, and he's really smart and knows a lot of facts. But he's a, he's a toddler. And so emotionally he's got a ways to go. So do I, by the way, <laughs> even though I'm not a toddler. Maturity doesn't come overnight. It comes, but, but training and learning and putting the Word of God into practice comes by by, 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 by every situation that you, that, that you triumph in, every situation that you, that you obey God and every situation that you ask God for that wisdom and apply that wisdom. You, you grow a little, a little more and a little bit more and a little bit more mature. How many of you want that for your lives? How many of you want that for your lives? Amen. So here it is. Count it all joy when you face various trials because you know that what God is in the process of doing, he says, count, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. My vision for my life, um, you know, I, I, I've, we could talk about that. I, I remember having a friend who became really engrossed and the self-help movement and really engrossed in positive thinking and and all those things. They're wonderful things in their right context, but uh, he would talk about, you know, his values and his vision for his life. And sometimes I had to, you know, his vision was that I want to, you know, want to earn six figures. Uh, Now you need seven. I want to earn six figures. Now I want to do this. I I want to be this kind of person. Uh, I want to have this level of ego strength or this level of prestige and recognition and in business or in this community, whatever—that's fine. But you know what? My real vision for my life, and I hope, for, I hope yours becomes this as well. I want to—I want to become mature, lacking nothing in God. I, I, I don't want to be—I don't want to grow old as as an immature Christian. I don't want to be a, a bitter, old, angry man who has failed to 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 embrace. The promises of God, but I, I, I see something here that that, that intrigues me and that, that draws me on and calls me for and that is I, I want to be I want to be mature and complete, not lack and then, listen if you, and he 's not talking about money here, but he 's talking about not lacking anything with regard to spiritual resources or internal eternal resources or what you need on the inside to live successfully, no matter what Life hands you no matter what you face in life. That, in, that thing on the inside, old folks, you talk about something within that holds, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit, learning how to allow him to, to occupy your life and to fill you and to, to guide your choices so that you respond to, to whatever challenge in a way that pleases God.